message, okay? So uh, the, the last message in this series, write this down, is entitled Disturbing the Peace. <laughs> Disturbing the Peace. Now, before you assume how to write peace, we've been called and commissioned to upset the world and disturb the peace. Not P-E-A-C-E, picketing, rallying, condemning, and judging. We're talking about disturbing the peace, the peace of people's lives that are not arranged and in order and in harmony with God's will, his way, his decrees. And I feel like as ambassadors of an embassy that we've been commissioned to upset others by disturbing the peace of them that is not in harmony with Jesus Christ. I know it's nasty. Ain't that na- That is just, oh, that's good, okay? Nasty has a negative connotation and a positive connotation. I'm using the positive one right now. Okay. So uh, Acts chapter number 17, uh, verse number six, if you have your Bibles, uh, here's what it says. Uh, Not finding them there. They're looking for Paul and Silas. They can't find him. So it says not finding them there. They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They shout it. And now they are here disturbing our city, too. That's good stuff. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, and now they're here disturbing our city, too. Here's the definition of disturb. Please write this down. Uh, To interfere with the arrangement, order, or harmony of to disarrange, to interfere with the arrangement, the order, or the harmony of, to disarrange. So I just want you to think about that for a moment. Think about the times in your life that you've encountered God and been in his presence where he disturbed your peace, (laughs) where he disturbed an attitude uh, a paradigm of thought, a, a deeply held belief, a habit that you have held on to for a long time. And all of a sudden he comes and disturbs that peace of your life to the point that what was neatly arranged in your mind about how you felt about this totally gets uh, rearranged, unharmonized and turned upside down. So you see it from heaven's perspective. Well, well, well this is uh, what I want to show you today. And I'm going to use uh, four instances in scripture uh, where Jesus disturbed uh, people's peace. Uh, the first one I want you to go to is in John chapter number four. John chapter number four. Now, uh, there's three points that I have for this message. And uh, this is uh, what I, I want. I'm going to give you all three points right now. And then we'll populate them with these instances that that Jesus has, okay? Point number one is, because we need to answer the question, well, how do we disturb the peace? 
Uh, first point number one is pick the place. You get to pick the place where you're going to disturb the peace. Okay? So you pick the place. Point number two, you pick the person or the persons whose peace you're going to disturb. And point number three, you pick the peace. So as upsetters, we're going to look at four instances in Jesus's life where he did not address a situation that came to him, but he purposely and strategically addressed the situation, and he's the one that instigated it, okay? There's all types of uh, moments in Scripture, in the Gospels in particular, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where people are coming up to Jesus uh, with their problems, with their issues, and saying, hey, Jesus, I, I want you to solve this from me. I, I, want, you, I want you to heal uh, 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 my sick loved one. I want you to raise somebody from the dead. I want you to fix this problem. These are, these are people that are coming to Jesus. I, I want to show you four instances, not the only four, but four instances where Jesus uh, actually uh, initiates contact, where he strategically picks the place, the person or persons, and the peace that he actually wants to deal with. So uh, here's the first one. John chapter number four, verse number one. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now, now this is an interesting uh, sentence. Verse number four. He had to go through Samaria on the way. No, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't have to go through Samaria on the way. He's Jesus. He can kind of go wherever he wants to. But as a Jewish man who for thousands of years, uh, his uh, people had had uh, contention with the Samaritan people, most Jews never wanted to even come in close proximity to them. So from where Jesus was coming and going, most Jewish people would have taken the long way around to avoid contact with the Samaritan people. So when it says he had to go through Samaria, it means that Jesus is being very intentional about picking the place to come in contact with a person to disturb their peace. So the place that he chose was Samaria. Here's what it says in verse number seven, and this is the person that he decided to pick. Verse number seven, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He picked his person. (laughs) Jews don't even talk to Samaritans. So not only did he strategically choose this place, he also chose this person because by merely opening his mouth to talk to her, made it a divine appointment. Trust and believe Jesus is not going to open his mouth and talk to you. 
unless he really has something to say. So this woman comes to the well, uh, and without going into too much history, uh, the women at this time would go to the well in the morning to draw the water and take it back to their homes. The fact that this woman came around noontime lets you know she didn't want to be there with the other women. I don't know if you all knew this about this woman or not, but if you read it, it's a pretty delicious chapter. <laughs> this woman had, um, had been married a lot of times, on par with Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> Shout out to Elizabeth. <laughs> and when Jesus opens his mouth and starts his conversation with her, she has no idea that she's about to have her peace disturbed. Jesus does, she doesn't. They start this conversation, and here's the peace that he decides to disturb. Look at verse number 16. They've had this conversation about getting water. She's like, Jews not even supposed to talk to Samaritans. He starts telling her, if you knew the type of water I was talking about, you would uh, never be thirsty again. She was like, please give me that water. If you're the arrowhead man, can you set up something at my house? That way I don't have to keep coming back out here. There's rumors going around me all around the city. It would be great if you just, you know, if you know about indoor plumbing, that would be revolutionary to my life and many others, Jesus. And she, he's like, oh, well, you know, go get your husband. <laughs> the moment he said, go get your husband, he had disturbed her peace. Now, what piece of her did he disturb? It wasn't about him being nosy, prying. He was disturbing the peace of her that was unstable. He disturbed her instability. By saying to her, go get your husband, her response lets you know, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, oh you're right, because you've had five and the one you're with now is not even your husband. That's pretty unstable. And she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. And they continue on in this conversation. Here's how the whole story ends. You have to read it. This woman goes back and evangelizes about a man who's completely different than the six other men she had encountered. And what a place in her life that had been perpetually unstable became stable because someone was bold enough to disturb her peace. Not making excuses for it, not coming up with, well, you know, because listen, after, after five and you're on your six, it ain't them. <laughs> you all get their revelation in a minute. You ever met somebody on their ninth job in 11 months? Man, I tried, man, it just didn't work out over there, and so I had to leave. Oh, man, how's the new job? I heard you. You're now at Firestone. Man, I had to, man, I had to quit. They don't get me. No, you don't get you. You are unstable. And he addresses the instability. We need upsetters who will pick places and people and address the pieces in their life that they think are in harmony, and they're really not. So the first one 
is he picked Samaria, the place, the woman at the well is the person, and the peace was instability. Now go to Matthew chapter number eight. Matthew chapter number eight. This is one of my favorites. Uh, Matthew chapter number eight. Look at the 14th verse. Here's what it says. Uh, When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, what's the place? Peter's house, okay? When he arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in the bed with a high fever. Who's the person? Peter's mom? Mother-in-law, right? Okay. So uh, then here's what happens. When Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. She got up and prepared a meal for him. That had to be my mother-in-law. That's the anointing that's on my, my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law will cook you food right now. <laughs> she will get up and go cook you everyone breakfast right now. And it is fantastic. She is anointed. Love my mother-in-law. Jesus goes to Peter's house. This is what I love about Jesus. And see, I, 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 listen, what he does in Scripture is absolutely amazing. The way that it plays out in movies sometimes is not. They either, there's either two, you know, there's two characteristics that most people that I've seen have done about Jesus in movies. It's either deep Jesus, you know, everything is just somber, the whole life just, I have come. I must die for all of you. Or there's like tralala Jesus, ha 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 ha, everything is great. I'm here for you, I'm full of grace. He, he's, he's not lion or lamb. He's both and. He's lion and lamb. But here's the thing. He was also just a regular Jewish guy. For all that divinity, he just rolled up in Peter's house and saw that mom was sick and decided to heal her. Peter didn't call Jesus over to the house to heal the mother-in-law. He decided to disturb the peace of her. That was a problem, which was the sickness. So he comes in the house. He's like, hey, how's everybody doing? Hey, well, you know, Peter's uh, mother-in-law is in there uh, sick with a high fever. He's like, oh. Grabs her by the hand. The woman's healed. She gets up. She cooks. He's probably hungry, probably a selfish, you know, little something in it for me. (laughs) Heard your mother-in-law could cook. She's sick. That's not good. Be healed, woman, in Jesus' name. Need you to cook some of that fish. Okay? The place is Peter's house. The person is Peter's mother-in-law. And the peace is sickness. He just heals it. You might have an opportunity to disturb someone's peace. Maybe a sickness that's in their body. God might ask you to pray for them. Don't be a coward. Don't overthink it. You feel I should pray for them. Oh, what if they don't like prayer? And what if, uh, oh my goodness, if I say I want to pray for them, but then what if they say something? Oh my God, I don't want to get in a fight. It's, uh, it's my lunch break to have a headache. Maybe I should pray. Oh, oh, oh. Just, just pray for them. And if you ask them to pray and they don't want you to pray for them, pray for them anyway. It's prayer. They didn't have to hear it. Everybody thinks prayer is like, give me your hands. Jesus, I just, I just bind this headache, Jesus' name. 
for the person. Lord, would you make that headache go away? Amen. Boom. Guess what? Heaven is not up there grading word count. There's a 50-word minimum. They only use like four Father Gods. Well, I need at least 20 of them. Father God, in the name of Jesus, because Father God, this headache right now, in Jesus' name, Father God, because you know, Father God, you are awesome, because Father God, because Father God, because Father God, in Jesus' name, Father God, Father God, listen, I can't stand Father God prayers. When I hear Father God prayers, I forget what you were praying for, because I am now counting your Father Gods. You are at 22 to bless this food. It's cold now. 22 Father God, stop that. <laughs> Luke chapter number 19. <laughs> y'all know, y'all are sitting next to some Father Gods right now. You know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because where else would you do that? You would not do that. You would not go to McDonald's, and if Robert's taking your order, be like, Robert, oh, Robert, Robert. Robert, can I have a Big Mac? Robert, oh, Robert. Robert, can I have a Big Mac? And Robert, Robert, also a large fry. Robert, because Robert, and oh, Robert, Robert, Robert. Oh, Robert, do you have the orange drink? Oh, Robert, 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 Robert. Can I have two pies for 99 cents? Robert, 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 Robert. Ow! Just, just pray. I really need y'all to get that, because if not, you're going to upset the world in a different way. And don't claim you go to Embassy City Church if you've got 25 Father Gods in your prayers. Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19, starting at uh, the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. What's the place? Sweet, you guys are amazing. Y'all are, y'all are, oh, I love y'all. I love y'all. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Who's the person? Oh, y'all, y'all are just amazing. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. This is fantastic. Again, Jesus Normal, normal Jewish guy going about his day, sees a short man in a tree, says, come down and invites himself over to his house for dinner. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than this. He goes to the Z- Zacchaeus' house. They have a dinner. All the religious people are mad. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy 
But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. I love Jesus. Jesus, he just went to the guy's house. He already knew his reputation. He decided to show up anyway. Kind of like he did in every single one of our lives. <laughs> kind of knew the reputation anyway and said, I'll move right into that heart. And I know everything you've been through and everything you've done. And I'll still move right in there with you. It's beautiful. So he moves in there. Uh, he goes into his house, I should say. Uh, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, now, now get this, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The place is Jericho. The person is Zacchaeus. And here is the peace he decides to disturb rejection. Zacchaeus, a Jewish man, had made a lot of money overtaxing his people. He became a rich, wealthy man who had a lot of influence. And you know what? He found his security and his identity in his wealth because he was covering a hole of rejection. Hey, Tim, how do you conclude that? Uh, I don't know many short men who would climb up a tree to get a peek at Jesus. Jesus noticed them and they're so excited they go throw a party for him. He had never been affirmed. And when he climbed that tree and Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm, I want to come to your house. He was like, not, not because I'm rich. Not because of my name or influence in the community. You saw me in a tree. There's a lot of successful people in this room who own businesses and become very wealthy. Here's what I'm happy about. Their identity is in Christ, not in their success. Because if your identity is in your success, it's because it's covering something on the inside of you that feels rejected. And so now we turn to our vocation or our bank account or our degrees on the wall to affirm us. And they can never affirm you like the one who created you. He disturbed that piece of rejection that was in Zacchaeus' heart. And here's what he said. Hey, I'll give half of it to the poor. And I love how he said this. You got to understand Jewish context. He said, and if I've uh, robbed anybody. <laughs> Come on, Zacchaeus. You can get rich because you did everything right. I'll give him four times as much. He was actually going over and above what Jewish law uh, in uh, the, the Pentateuch required for someone to pay restitution if they've done unfairly to him. He said, I'll go above and beyond that. And here's what Jesus said. And here's where you know that he's healing that piece of rejection on the inside of him. He says, you're a true son of Abraham. 
not, not just because we can trace your bloodline back to him. You're not just related to Abraham. You're acting like him. And you're acting like him because you've placed your faith in me. The place is Jericho. The person is Zacchaeus. The peace is rejection. Last one. We all live in this one. Luke chapter number 23. Starting at the 33rd verse. When they came to a place called the skull. They nailed them to a cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. The place is the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The person is us. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Verse number 46. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. The peace is sin. What Jesus did for the woman at the well was absolutely amazing. He disturbed the peace of her instability and got that woman back in line, focused on not just a man, the man. What he does at Peter's house with his mother-in-law is just nice. It's just a nice guy. <laughs> Heals her of her sickness. Disturbs that peace. She's back on her feet. Things are good. Him noticing a man in a tree and deciding to go to his house for dinner, knowing the reputation and what people would say about him in the process. That's just a guy that's so secure in his relationship with God that he doesn't care what you think. <laughs> and he deals with the issue of rejection that Zacchaeus has been living with. And he finds his whole world upset and turned upside down by a Jewish man that was just nice enough to have dinner with him and not think about his own reputation. But this last one, if we just had several accounts of a guy who did nice things for a lot of people that didn't include us, we would say, great story. Wish I could have met him. Well, you can. Now, for all those places that he would 
go to, that he would go to Samaria. That's amazing. No Jews would go there. That he would go to Peter's house, that he would go to Zacchaeus's house. No, no, no rabbi would go to a disreputable man like Zacchaeus's house. Can, can, let, let, let's just blow, blow the lid off of this thing, though. That God would come to earth. That the God of heaven would wrap himself in flesh and come here. <laughs> Dwell among us. And then choose a place like the cross to display his love for us. It would have been nice if he just came to your house. <laughs> if Jesus would have spent the rest of all of human history just showing up at people's houses, that would have been nice. <laughs> but to him, for him to show up on a cross is something exponentially different. That he would show up to a cross and pick that place to display his love for all of us. Okay, you, gotta, you get to pick the place, Jesus. If you get to get everybody uh, a chance to uh, understand your love, what place would you pick? The cross? Okay. Who would you do it for? Because you know there's a covenant with these Jewish people, and so that's who you've been called to. So, so if you're going to pick the cross and die a horrible death, uh, a, 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 a criminal's death on that cross, who are you going to do it for? Everybody? And what peace would you like to disturb in that process, Jesus? Sin? Well, we saw what you did with rejection, and we saw what you did with sickness, and we saw what you did with instability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all a result of sin. So, so let, I don't want to have to like go down a list of things and keep checking stuff off individually. Let me just deal with the sin. That way I can wipe it out for everybody. And they can be back in a family reunion with my dad. This is all can be over. That Jesus would disturb the, the one piece that separates us from a relationship with God the Father on the cross intentionally for all of us is the most upsetting thing that has ever happened in all of human history. So much, in fact, that time has been split from before the guy died to after he died. That whole BC AD thing, that came from some people that understood this. There's a lot of people that have lived and died, but that right there, that might be the best thing that's ever happened. And we get to do the same thing. We don't forgive anybody of their sins. Jesus has forgiven people of their sins. But we can disturb the peace of them, whatever that little subset piece of them that is, that is blocking them from seeing the love of God in their lives. We are commissioned to go out and do it. And I'm telling you, you can do it. And it starts to get fun. If you start intentionally picking the place, I'm, I'm really good at restaurants. I don't know what it is. Well, maybe... I'm hungry a lot. Maybe that's what it is. But, but I'm anointed. I just picked two or three restaurants, and I'm like, mm-hmm, I got everybody in here. I'm going to disturb them. I'm going to get them. I'm getting everybody. And, and, and you guys know how I start. I start with hugs. That's how to start disturbing people's peace. I just start with hugs. And I'll hug everybody. 
I hug the person that's supposed to seat you. I'll hug the waitress. Everybody's, I just go like this and everybody's like, I'm, what is? It's just one, hi, come, come. Go in there, leave a good tip without a card to Embassy City. Just a real good tip. And then you come back. When you come back, they go, come, come. <laughs> so glad you're here. You start doing that to two or three of the waiters and the waitresses, elbows start being thrown. He's here. I got him. No, I got him. Ah, mm, ah. I'm in for the long game. Sometimes I can disturb people's peace the first time I meet them. Other times, like the ninth time I meet them. And there may be an opportunity where, where the Holy Spirit just lets you sense, you know what, there's some fear there. There's some intimidation there. There's some rejection there. There's some instability there. Uh, I want you to disturb that. And it doesn't matter if you're introverted or you're extroverted. Here's what you do. You ask the Holy Spirit to give you the boldness to just go tinker with that thing a little bit. Hey, can I, can I pray for you with that? Or, or you say something to them that completely blows their mind. And there, I remember one time uh, I was at Cheesecake Factory, which I lovingly refer to as my north side office. Um, and uh, we were at Cheesecake Factory, and there, there was a young lady there, and for some reason, the Holy Spirit just kept saying, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And, and I'm like, well, I don't want to tell a young lady she's beautiful because I'm married. I don't want her to think the wrong thing. And he just kept saying it over and over and over again. And I was like, so I, I had another uh, guy that I was eating with, and I said, hey, I want to run this by you. Uh, I, I feel like the Lord's telling me to tell this young lady that she's beautiful, but I don't want you to think uh, I'm hitting on her. And if you say I shouldn't, then I won't. And he's like, no, bro, tell her. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so when she came back, I said, hey, I just want to tell you, man, you're just such a beautiful person. The girl almost lost it at the table. Like, like she literally, blank face, eyes welled up and was like. <laughs> she comes back about 10 minutes, and I was like, oh boy, that went well. <laughs> Manager's probably coming now. She comes back about 10 minutes later, and she goes, um, I got adopted as a baby, and for my whole life, I've never felt like I was beautiful. And then you said that, and it hit something on the inside of me, and I don't even know what to do with it. Guess what? I didn't turn it into a counseling session. Well, sit down. <laughs> I'll tell you right now what you need to do. Lift your hands. <laughs> Father God. <laughs> I couldn't resist. That was great. You guys are, y'all are my favorite church in the entire world. I promise you, my favorite church in the entire world. And I said, well, I just felt like God told me to tell you that. Booyah. Snuck a little God in there. Okay. And then now she has... The peace has already been disturbed. I'm out. I'm not, 
not there to close the deal and rehabilitate her life right here. I want to eat my fries and my turkey burger. <laughs> they use the thigh meat. It's fantastic. I guess I'm going to Cheesecake Factory after this. <laughs> but there's these opportunities that he'll give you. Yes, sir. And he will give them to you according to your personality. You don't have to go out and look for it and I'm, I'm going to disturb this peace today. <laughs> Calm down. The Holy Spirit will let it happen. And he'll, it, it'll happen. You see all these places that Jesus went? It all started. With G- He's at a well. Woman shows up. He's like, give me some water. Whole conversation breaks out. Disturbs her peace. Goes to Peter's house. Mom's sick. Decides to go into the room. Pray for mom. Mom gets well. He's walking down the road. Zacchaeus is in the tree. He's like, hey, can I come to your house for dinner? Zacchaeus is like, yes. It's kind of organic. You're at the gas station. The Lord says something to you. Go disturb their peace. Then jump in the car and drive off. Doesn't have to turn into a revival. I simply am encouraging you and exhorting you in a way, no, in in a real way, (laughs) to go disturb the peace. You probably already know some people. You probably have a coworker or family member, a friend that you already know. There's a little piece there that if, if that was disturbed, it would probably move some stuff out of the way where they could really see Jesus for who he really is. So here's how we're ending this series. And it's not with a rah, 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 play the band, rah, 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 rah. we disturbed the peace, we disturbed it. <laughs> Just do it. I, I, I'd rather not hype you. And you, if I hype you and you don't do it, it was just nice for church. <laughs> Rather, more on the anticlimactic note, go, hey, would you go out and disturb the peace, please? Because if we did that, uh, we would be doing what God put us in Irving, Texas to do. He put us in a mid-city for a reason, so that we could affect the entire DFW Metroplex. It's not just for Irving, it's for wherever you live. Some of you are drive from Mansfield, Denton, Dallas, Roanoke, Keller, wherever you're from, go disturb the peace. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?